0: Like we said earlier, man, as you tap, flip, swipe, scroll, and find your way to 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to be in verses 11 through 16 this morning. And here's the thing, we're still going to be continuing our series on gospel-centered community as we continue to walk through First and 2 Timothy and First and 2 Thessalonians and Titus as well. But first things first, I got to be honest. Man, I want to put it all out right now, and I'm going to let you know that this morning, even though I might not be showing it, even though you might say, well, I think I saw a smile on your face earlier, man, I'm a sad guy. Man, I am heartbroken. You can say, man, that guy right there must be down in the dumps. Am I sad because another cowboy loss is looming over me this afternoon? Nope because I can guarantee you they will not lose today. <laughs> well, they, they're on a bye week, so <laughs> they don't even have a game this week. Am I sad because I lost another game to Miss McAllister playing Scrabble? No, because as we stand right now, man, we only got a few tiles left, and we're neck and neck right now, all right? There might be some hope for me finally. Here's the thing. I'm sad this week because I attempted to do something that I don't normally do last week. I attempted to do it three times last week, and man, it was a humbling experience each time. I don't know what I was thinking, but I decided at night, while nobody would really see me, to go and try to get my running on, all right? If you look at this physique, it looks like this for a reason, because I don't get my running on very often. But I tried to, and here's the thing, my body once again reminded me something that it's been trying to communicate ever since high school ended. Justin, you are no longer an athlete. Truth hurts, but I can say that, because I am not an athlete, I'm not. Y'all know like I know, if you wanna be an athlete, you need to be willing to train, am I right? And so here's the thing, here's the thing, If you want to be a top athlete, you need to take your training seriously. You can't just keep on doing P90, you know, for two-day burst, you know, every other month, and hoping that once you get to those 90 days, you'll have the result that the video promises. You can't. Man, not only do you need to take it seriously, but you need to take it to the next level. That's when you throw out P90, just two discs and you go buy the 13-disc P90X, that's when you're serious. And I'm just going to be honest. If y'all don't know, P90X stands for 90% of this is impossible if you're in the current shape that I am in right now. (laughs) The X says it's extremely impossible, all right? I have no confidence. It's all right. I'm not committed. I'm just being realistic, all right? Here's the thing. Along with working on your fitness, if you're going to be a true athlete, you need to be willing to hone your skills. Even if you're the best at what you do, you need to get better at it. You need to be willing to hone your skills. You need to be able to practice your technique, and you need to be able to get enough sleep. (laughs) Do you hear that, Shannon? Yeah, even with two kids at the house, good luck, right? Okay, here's the thing you also need to be willing to watch what you eat. And I'm not talking about just making a promise not to eat and close your eyes at the same time, all right? You need to be able to watch what you eat. Saying that you're on a seafood diet because you eat food every time you see it, that's not what it's talking about, all right? It's not the same thing. Man, you need to be willing to do these things full on, and if you do, as an athlete, if you're willing to do these things to the fullest, it will affect every area of your life. Do y'all agree with that? Here's the thing. In chapter 4 of 1 Timothy Paul agrees that getting fit is a good goal. Getting in shape, that's a good goal, but he doesn't stop there. In fact, he encourages Timothy to do one better. He encourages Timothy to train himself up to be godly, not just like an athlete would train himself up to be fit, but take it to the next level. Train yourself up to be godly. And then on, once he puts out that challenge, Paul begins to coach him up. He begins to coach Timothy up. And if you've ever played a sport, you know coaches are not shy when it comes to offering instruction, right? Man, you might hear things like, fight, hustle, pick it up, move it, move it, move it, let's go, let's go, let's go, fire off that ball. You'll hear things like that. And just like any great coach, Paul knows just how to motivate Timothy. Listen to these words full of action that Paul uses to coach him up and uses to get the best out of Timothy. I'm going to start with verse 11. If you can, follow along with me, and it reads like this. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called to and about and made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Here's the thing let's go back to verse 11. It says like this, But as for you, O man of God, see, when Paul addresses Timothy as this man of God, he got Timothy's attention. That phrase is used over and over as a common Old Testament expression. And, and when it was used, listen to who it was in reference to. Men like Moses, David, Samuel, Elijah. When I said that this morning, Max said, Elijah was God's prophet. Right on, girl. All right. Also, Elijah, these men of God, they were Not only men of God, but they were noted as men of God in the text. And so when Paul expresses to Timothy and and addresses him as a man of God, he got his attention. Because he knew when he heard that, when that was read, he knew instructions were about to follow. And these instructions were going to be important. In fact, so important that they are still valuable today. Especially if you're called to ministerial leadership. And so Timothy was commanded to be different from those false teachers that Matt spoke about last week. Man, he was called to be different than those false teachers of Ephesus. They only live for the riches. They only live for the material wealth. And he was saying, but you, Timothy, man of God, So he told Timothy who he was, and then listen to how he started coaching him up. He started using these words full of action. Listen, don't, I mean, did y'all get them a while ago? Don't, Don't just plow right through them. Listen to what he's saying, because Paul's coaching calls for Timothy to be wholehearted, calls for Timothy to go all out Listen to these four imperatives. I'm going to give them to you, but I want to make sure that you're awake. So when I say it, I want to hear you say it back to me, all right? I'm going to coach you up for a little bit, all right? He says words like this, flee. All right, some of y'all are awake, all right? He says this word, pursue. He says the word, fight. And he says, take hold of. Let's talk about those now that some of y'all are awake again. All right, here's the thing, here's the thing. Number one. His instructions to Timothy, as he gets coached up, Paul coaches him by saying, flee these things. Flee these things. Well, when you read that, flee these things, you got to ask yourself, what things? And the things he's talking about are the things that we just mentioned that were listed out in verses 3 through 10. Matt spoke on them last week everything that sums up what a false teacher is. He says, but you, Timothy, you are a man of God, so flee these things. Run, dash, take flight from all the things that were mentioned earlier, from all the things that these false teachers of Ephesus were all about. Don't do like them. Instead, just like we heard last week, do the opposite. Man, we too, each one of us, Man, we must be willing to run away from the proud arguments of those who misuse God's word. We too must understand that we shouldn't live the life of Christ and follow God just to see what we can get out of it. It's not about what we can get. Here's the thing we need to flee evil. He keeps on going. And the next thing that he says, as he's to flee these things, guess what? He's also to pursue righteousness. If you keep on reading in that verse, it says, But as for you, O man, of God flee these things, those things mentioned in verses 3 through 10, and then pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Man, it's neat how Paul can sum up all these things just in six words right? And listen to how valuable these words are. Many he tells them to pursue after them instead of going for pride. Hey, I'm a teacher. It's all about me. Instead of going for riches, yes, I follow Christ so that he can bless me, so that I can get these things. Guess what? Timothy was to make these things his pursuit to chase, to strive for, to go after these things that our world says don't have much value. But guess what? Our God says they are very valuable. He says, go after those things. Pursue those things. Chase after it. Here's the thing. Paul's challenge to leave some things and follow hard after other things. It's not just to Timothy solely. Men, this morning, I want to challenge you, RBC, men and women of God, I want to challenge you to pursue those things too, to flee evil, and to run after those things. So here's the question. What are you running from and what are you chasing after? Ask yourself that. Because as any great athlete knows, living this life, running this race— following Christ. You'll have to do some of both. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he sets up the same type of metaphor where he says, flee your youthful desires. Flee those things. And then he goes on and he says, and while you're fleeing those things, pursue these other things. Man, we have to make note that just running away from the world is not enough. Do you hear that this morning? Just running away from the world is not enough. It's more than just doing good. It's more than just getting fit. We are called to train ourselves to be godly. And so as we run away from the things of this world, guess what? We are chasing after the things of God. We're not just running away from the bad, but, but while we're running away from that, we are chasing and pursuing the things of God. Teenagers, do you hear that? Adults, do you hear that today? I don't understand. It seems easy, but too often we do the complete opposite. We live lives where we run away from the things of God. We run away from the very things that can strengthen us. We run away from God's affirmation, and we chase affirmation from other people. We chase affirmation from things as silly as likes and hearts and and, and whatever social media comes up with. But here's what's scary. Man, we run away from the things of God, but too often we chase the things of the world. And it's those things that will bring us down. And it's those things that will bring us ruin. It's those things that the Bible says don't last. We got it backwards. And here's the thing. When he starts setting this up and he starts talking about those six things, listen to how he lists them. First, he says, pursue righteousness and godliness. Then he sums up the horizontal And the vertical aspects of being a Christ follower, man, we need to be right with God. We need to, that's the horizontal, and we need to be godly. Man, that's the vertical. As he keeps on going through this list, and he says, man, we need to chase after trusting God more and extending true love towards others. Guess what it says in Romans? It says for us to love others. To genuinely love others. Man, the NLT says, don't pretend to love others. Man, this world, one thing that they can do is they can tell a faker. It's telling us to truly extend love to others. And then the last two, man, we are to pursue steadfastness. Even when it gets down to the nitty gritty even when it gets down to the hardest of all things being hard, even when people are opposing the gospel upon which we stand, we are to persevere, but we do so with gentleness, with tenderness. Man, it's not going to be easy, but we need to have strength under control. And then he keeps on. He tells Timothy as he coaches him up, he says, you need to flee evil. You need to pursue these six things. And at the same time, you need to persevere. You need to push through. You need to fight the good fight of faith. That's what you need to fight. You need to fight the good fight of faith. Church, how many times do we fight about silly things? Many talks about that. He references that earlier about arguing over silly things and not understanding and actually getting confused and fighting for the wrong things. But here we need to fight the good fight of faith. Earlier, I mentioned trying to run this past week three times, all three times, a humbling experience to say the least. See, when I was sitting in the chair watching SportsCenter, that didn't make me an athlete. All right. When I was thinking like, man, you know what? I might need to go run just because I thought it. that didn't make me an athlete. And then I realized even when I went and tried to do it, I still wasn't an athlete. All right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Man, it seems so good in my mind. It seems so easy. Man, I'm going to get out there. I'm just going to be floating down Baylor. Man, I'm going to zigzag down green and gold, make my way to Drew and Champion. There's one, I don't know, there's one street that doesn't have a turnaround, and so I just get lost. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Man, it it seemed like it was going to make sense. I geared up. I put on my sweat jacket. Even though I was running, like, at night, you know, in the end it gets nighttime at 5 o'clock, but I was doing it a lot later so nobody would see me die, all right? But here's the thing. I put on my sweat jacket because if anybody saw me, they would know I was, I was out there sweating it up. I put on some running shoes. This is high tech that was sending info to my iPod. And then my iPod was in my hand, sending music to my earbuds and saying, you're almost there. You're almost there. You know, uh, here, here it is. You is. Don't give up. You're not dead yet. All right, man, I had the worst going on. and And, and here's the thing. But then as I got going for real, because I looked good in front of the mirror, but then as I got going for real, here's the thing. My glasses, <laughs> this is what glasses will do to you, all right? I should have put on contacts. My glasses started fogging up. I couldn't even see where I was running. Sweat started just happening everywhere, and those iPod earbuds, they don't even fit my ears anyway, and they were just popping out left and right. My side started feeling like somebody was running next to me. Instead of coaching me up and motivating, they're just ramming me right here and just killing my side with the ice pick, all right? That's what it felt like, okay? Here's the thing. My breathing or maybe my wheezing, you would say, started stirring up every dog in the neighborhood. In short, I was dying, okay? My body was shutting down. I was not going to make it, and I was just past my neighbor's house. But here's the thing, all right? I know that might be dramatic, okay? Okay? But some people that live in my neighborhood, they probably heard me, you know, wheezing out there, okay? So they know it's true. But here's the thing. It wasn't easy at all. I wanted it to be easy. I wanted to be able to like brag to somebody, look what I did, woo, man, it was not easy, all right? I had to fight through every bit of it and it was humbling at the last bit of it because, man, my, my, my little iPod, Nike Plus said, you know what, hey, congratulations. You just completed a workout, your first workout you can now calibrate this. And it had two settings, calibrated for running, calibrated for walking, but you just do it, and it just tells you what you're calibrated to do. And guys, I didn't go out there to walk. I went out there to run. And I ran in my mind. And it was a humbling experience when it said, okay, through calibrating, you're ready to walk. (laughs) I was come on, man. Come on, Nike Plus. All right, so here's the thing. Guess what? It was a fight. And going God's way, you realize going against the flow of the world, sometimes being the only one going in the right direction while peers, while family, while friends don't understand it because they're going the, the way of the world, guess what? It's going to be hard? It's going to be a fight. Man, Timothy, that's why he had to have determination. Man, Paul uses the words "fight the good fight" to suggest voluntary. All right, even though he was called to do this, he actually volunteered to do this as well. But he he's suggesting voluntary athletic agony. Did y'all hear that last word? Agony. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, tell me. I mean, just ask me. I can tell you what it felt like the other day, all right? Here's the thing. Check this out. That kind of agony takes place when a real athlete is running one of those grueling races, the one that seems like it doesn't end, but they can't stop. Man, they feel like they can't run anymore, but guess what? They're a true athlete. They keep on pushing through. Man, he he also uses the kind of like the same type of metaphor can be used for a boxing match that doesn't end early. I'm talking about one that goes on and on and on. And guess what? When they ring the bell, they don't just do like what we see sometimes when we think we see a fight, and people just kind of push up on each other like, hey, man, what you going to do? Step in my square, you know? No, they're trying to, they're trying to hurt each other, all right? And they keep on, keep on doing that. In fact, the Greek literally means agonize the good agony. We need to fight the good fight. And then, here's the thing. At the end of that verse 12, listen to what he says. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Guys, we need to take hold of the eternal life that is already ours. Just like Timothy, we need to grab onto that. And we need to write it for all it's worth no matter if it's the ups or the downs, the highest of highs or the lowest of valleys, while we are following Christ, we need to hold on to that eternal life that we already have. Here's the thing. What does that mean? The knowledge of knowing that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hold on to it. Doesn't matter what somebody else says. Hold on to the truth. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit understanding that the Holy Spirit is going to illuminate God's Word when you're willing to get into it. Doesn't matter if you say, well, man, I can read the Mockingjay, Catching Fire. I can do those kind of things, but man, when I read the Bible, I just fall asleep. Listen, hold on to the fact that you know the Holy Spirit is going to speak some truth to you. Hold on to the knowledge of sins forgiven. First John 1. Man, read that. Live it out. 8, 9, and 10, hold on to those truths, the fruit of the Spirit. Hold on to those, the joy of service, the love of God. These are the things that we must grab onto and joyously hold until we arrive in heaven. Here's the thing, man, not only in the pastorals, but also other places in the New Testament, Paul uses this way to describe holding on to something, meaning with the intention of not letting go. You're not just kind of giving the limp handshake. That's that's weird, okay? That's, that scares me every now and then, all right? Man, it's like when I first got my high school ring and one of the deacons of our other church made me almost lose my ring finger because he didn't know I was wearing a ring for the first time. And he gripped down on me and said, man, I'm glad you're at church today. And I said, if you're glad, then stop. You're hurting me. All right. Man, that dude knew what it meant to hold on. Okay? Got to hold on. You know what? We got to ask ourselves, man, if we can't hold on, Maybe it's because we're already holding on to something else. Man, we can't grab on to the truth because we haven't let go of the world. Man, we need to hold on. And listen to this. Next, in these next verses, 13, 14, 15, and 16, man, what we see is a great charge. You know, Paul is continuing to coach him up. He's used these coachable words, you know, these action-packed coaching words, and now he gives a great coaching charge. Here's the thing, man. I had to tell Carolyn one time when she was keeping me, uh, you know, caught up on all things Greenville High School football. I said, Carolyn, I I, I like, okay. She said, didn't you play? And I said, well, Carolyn, I was on the team. You know what I'm saying? There's sometimes you got to make a difference between somebody who's on a team and somebody who actually plays, all right? But here's the thing. I practiced hard, all right? Here's the thing. Check this out. During my times on that team, I felt like I experienced a coach who could give the best charges. Man, he could charge his team up. Man, whether it was on the sideline of Texas Stadium during a playoff game, listen, three minutes left, we're down 12-0, to no hope, we're getting eliminated. Nah, that coach charged us up. He gave us such a charge. We come back. We have a touchdown. We get an onside kick. We march it down. Game-winning touchdown. He charged us up. Man, I saw it happen on those types of moments, and I also experienced it face-to-face. Sometimes a coach wants to charge you up one-on-one, and sometimes he does it where you can't get anybody else in the conversation if you wanted to because he's got a fistful of face masks, so you can't go anywhere, and he charges you up, right? Here's the thing. One of my favorite charges was really simple, but here's what he would say. He would say, guys, if you do it right, you'll do it light. But if you do it wrong, you'll do it long. You know what, Matt? That almost preaches. Doesn't it, right? You know what, Matt? I think Matt lives by that, you know, because two weeks ago, Matt preached the shortest sermon ever so far. You know, came in at 26 minutes, I think, all right? And I'm not keeping time. I'm not keeping time. I just post them to iTunes so I know, okay? But but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We thought that was good. We got to tamales before everybody else did, but here's the thing. We didn't live it. <laughs> you know, we, we, we didn't live right that next week, I guess, because then he comes in and he comes back with the longest sermon that he's preached at RBC, 47 minutes, all right? Man, he, man he, he thinks it'll preach. He lives it out, all right? But here's the thing. If you do it right, you do it light, but if you do it wrong, you do it long. But guess what? Listen to Paul's charge to Timothy, starting in verse 13. He says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. All right? Hey, his charge comes with credibility. You know what? It's not just a threat. It's not saying, hey, if you don't do what we've asked you to do, you're going to do it all night long. Guess what he says? He says, I charge you in the presence of God, the one who gives life to everything. Man, Paul charged Timothy to do something difficult, but but here's the thing. Timothy had an obligation to serve because he was serving the Creator who gave him life. He keeps on going. He says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives you life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in the testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Here's the thing. Man, this is who gave Timothy the difficult command because Jesus himself knew what it was to fulfill a difficult command. I can't tell you how many times a coach asked us to run, and you know what? We had a couple coaches that would get out there and run with us and beat us, but then we had some other coaches that would tell us to run, and we joke with each other and say, man, do you even think that they could even do this? Probably not. It's been too long. They haven't been running, all right? They've been sitting around. But here's the thing, all right? Jesus Christ set the bar high Because of his testimony, because he made the good confession, man. So when Timothy is told to live up to the good confession of Christ, then he's simply being told, "Hey, do something. It's going to be hard, but guess what? Jesus Christ did it." And then we keep on going to verse 14. It says, "To keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach. Yeah, that word reproach until appearing the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which." he will display at the proper time. Man, here's the thing. When you're asked to do something hard, there's always the danger that just a good effort won't be enough, and it won't last long enough, and you'll end in defeat. But guess what? Timothy was asked to, to live this commandment out until Christ came back. That's setting the bar high. And then Paul, he ends this charge, okay? As he's coaching up Timothy, listen to this. He, he basically just says, and let me tell you about how amazing God is. He says this right here in verse uh, 15. It says, which he will display at his proper time, I'm talking about earlier. And then it says, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and the Lord of Lord. And then in verse 16, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be the honor and the eternal dominion. Amen. Paul doesn't mess around, does he? Talking about ending with the bang. Listen, RBC, as Tim makes his way to the stage, man, I need to ask you a couple questions. Man, when a coach asks for somebody to give all they can give, man, I was taught that it doesn't always have to come from the best athlete. It has to come with somebody that has heart, somebody that's coachable, somebody that's willing to do what is asked of them. And so my question to us today is, are we coachable? Man, how do you respond to that type of encouragement that was given to Timothy? Man, does it seem too hard? Does it seem too impossible? Because guess what? As he was coaching Timothy up, man, he wasn't trying to set Timothy up for failure. Paul wanted him to reach his full potential. The message to Timothy is clear, and it's like this. Though your calling is so huge, guess what? Your God is even bigger and that powerful God will see you to the end and enable you to carry it through. The call that we're given is not easy, but the God that we serve is huge, bigger than the call, powerful enough to see us through the end, and He's going to allow us and enable us to carry it through. Man, each one of y'all today, that can be your go-to, to aim high, to use your gifts, to, to see God at work in your life because guess what? God will give you the resources that you need from the power of the Spirit to the wisdom you'll find studying God's Word. So, RBC today, men and women, are you willing to be men and women of God? Flee evil, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which we are called. And as we do those things, accept your charge before God the Father and God the Son to keep this commandment until He comes back. Let's do it. And let's do it while celebrating the awesome power of our sovereign God who is enabled to carry it all the way through. Man, the charge is for us. The charge is for all of us. Are you willing? Are you willing to answer that call? Let's pray.